Well, if you believe that, give the Lord another hand of thanksgiving this morning. He is worthy of all of our praise, and thank you all so much for being here on this uh, very special Sunday in December as we uh, count down towards Christmas. I was greeting folks this morning and, and went and uh, spoke to someone and, and wanted to welcome them today, and they, they saw me with a tie on and asked me, what's wrong? What, what's the matter, Pastor? It's... Uh, so yeah, it's, it's very rare that I, I break out a tie, but I just felt festive when I woke up. You ever, you ever felt festive when you, when you woke up and you was like, man, today's a, a special day. And I tell you, I missed being with everybody last week. How many of you miss me? <laughs> you weren't expecting that really. I, I mean, we, it's not, me, and, me and Bill were talking before service. Nothing like being together with family and worshiping God together. We, we had a great time on, online and many of you tuned in and watched and, and interacted with us there. But there's just nothing like being in the same room together, right? Turn to somebody beside you and say, it's always good hanging with you. Now turn and tell them that like you mean it. It's always good hanging out with you, right? Although some of you, I know you, you get in some trouble when you're hanging out together, so we need to keep a, keep a good eye on you to make sure that doesn't happen. But welcome today. If you haven't already, grab your handouts because on one side is a great place to take some notes, and you're not going to want to miss what God is speaking to us today. And get a pen or pencil, something to write with, prepare to follow along. And we are continuing in our Christmas study entitled Manger Mission. And today we're talking about the power of the manger, and we have declared God's power all throughout song this morning, and we're going to do that again in just a few moments, but there, there's no denying it. We live in a power-hungry, power-driven society. I mean, people seem to just love power, and some will do anything to get it, whether it's more power in our, in our cars or in our tools. Arr, 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 right, guys? I mean, we love power. We want to we power everything up to the next level, it seems like, or if it's more power in our position. And you know what I'm talking about there. I'm talking about the authority that, that some people have. And, and you give some people a little bit of power and what happens? It goes to their head and man, it just, it creates a monster. So, so power has always been something in, in one form or another that, that people have always desired and, and hungered for in, in, in some ways. And I'm going to tell you, things were no different over 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. Because as always, there seems to be this power struggle. And we're going to unpack that in just a few moments of what that looked like in his day and time when he was born into our world, when he came to save us from our sins. And, and, and I just want to tell you this morning, the Christmas story from a distance will, will cause many to think and ask this question. A baby? Powerful? Really? I mean, you, you think about it, and that's kind of what, what comes to mind at first, at, at first glance. Because we're, we're celebrating the birth of a child, but this was no ordinary child, right? I mean, we who know Jesus know the true story, know without a doubt that this was just not any ordinary birth of an ordinary baby. So let me ask you right off the bat here, number one in the outlines. When you look at that, that scene, and, and you guys can throw that up on the screen here for me if you don't mind, what, what do you see? Now, the, the imagery pops into your head when you think of Christmas is, is the nativity scene, right? How many of you have one in your home? You have this nice little nativity scene you sit out every year. Well, check this one out on, on the board here. 
This is kind of what we think of, this peaceful, serene setting where, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus was born in a a stable, some type of outbuilding, some type of cave that was not in the main house. There was no room in the what? In the end for him, and, and, and he was put into this manger that we've centered our thoughts around uh, all this month, and, and, and that's where they, they laid the newborn baby. He was in this manger, and, and all of a sudden, angels showed, uh, showed up, and, and, and shepherds showed up, and, and if, a couple years later, uh, wise men came, and, and there's mom and dad. As, as mom and dads do, they, they, they're just there proud and, and humbled and, and just so peaceful and beautiful. And as we like to say down here in the South, how precious, right? You, you kind of hear that from people all the time. Isn't that precious? I mean, that's kind of what we think about when we see that. When we hear the term Christmas, you kind of just go to that place of, of the nativity scene and all the, the preciousness and the, the beauty of it. And, and so I think for, for many of us, we get so wrapped up in that baby in a manger and, and the whole setting there. And, and, and it just kind of sticks with us that that's what Christmas is about. It's a sweet image and it's, and it's good for many reasons. But here's what I want to caution us with here at this, this moment. Don't let the tranquility of that picture lull you into forgetting what you are really looking at. Because things can kind of kind of mess with us a little bit. We can kind of get distracted. We can kind of get off track. That, that sweet, innocent babe in the manger is no ordinary child. The Bible tells us in 1 John, excuse me, in, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, that literally this is God becoming flesh. This is the Word incarnate coming to us in a fleshly body like we live in. Reach over and grab the shoulder of your person next to you right, right quick. Just, just touch them on the arm. Put your, put your hand on their shoulder. They live in a body just like you. And here God comes down from heaven in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. And he, the deity of the heavens, becomes human. How amazing is that? But when we look at that nativity scene, too many times we just get caught up in the fact of this precious little baby. And he was precious. I'm not diminishing that. But we just can't miss seeing that this was God's own son on a rescue mission, right? That's the purpose that we talked about last week. Here's what I want to say right now. Don't, don't let his human birth fool you. He is the eternal God who does not have a starting point. He may have that new soft baby skin. How many of you love that soft baby skin? How I many of you love that precious baby scent that they have? Not, not the, the bad diaper scent. I, I'm talking about the, the good scent. You know what I'm saying? And let's give a round of applause for all of our nursery workers today, man. They are the troopers. They're, they're in the trenches. This is the easy part. I mean, we love that, and we kind of can get caught up in the, in the beauty of the baby and, and miss out on the eternal God that dwells in that, that little baby. Don't let this baby's lack of ability to talk or communicate in any way signify what would cause us to forget that he is God's ultimate self-disclosure. Listen, church, God was and is revealing who he is through this precious child and through him as he grew to become a man, more clearly than through any other avenue in all of history. Listen to me. He is the powerful self-revelation of God. The word come alive to us, for us, and in us if we will allow him to. Don't allow the helpless state of this baby cause you to forget 
cause us ever to forget that he spoke all matter into being. Everything that we see, that we experience, that we touch, taste, and feel, where did it come from? It came from God saying, let there be, bam, and there it was. But yet we get so trapped in that nativity scene where this precious little child is is lying in this manger that we forget, that's God. That is the God who spoke and the heavens were created and the earth and all that's in it was created for us. That's the same God. And please don't allow his infant cries for hunger or coos for attention distract you from the fact that only he can save you from your sin. He is the promised savior, the one who would come and deliver who? His people. He would free us. He would save us. He would rescue us. Now, I share all this to say Christmas is about God doing the radical, the the unthinkable. And we have a, a tendency to tame it down with this sweet nativity scene. That we looked at just a few moments ago. But but if I can have your eyes right here with me for just a moment. That's God in the flesh. Come to dwell among us. Come to save us. Come to rescue us. Come to redeem us. Come to purchase us back from the high cost of sin that has us trapped. That is God in the flesh. Too many times it lulls us into forgetting the radical nature of what has taken place. What literally happened on that first Christmas day in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago. Second thing I want to mention to you is that, that, that we've got to see beyond the surface. We've got to go deeper than, than just this beautiful scene that, that we looked at. And don't get me wrong. Don't miss this. I love nativity scenes, but we we don't want to lose sight of the infinitely profound act that is taking place here, right? We can't afford to miss that. That God became man. The power that lies in that feeling, feeding trough is beyond any words imaginable. The age and wisdom that coos up at a mom is, is beyond measure. Don't let this powerful reality escape our vision of Christmas. Let it be the lens that we view Christmas through. God became man. On Christmas, God did something radical for, for the glory of his name and for the good of his people. He came. God showed up. How many of you have ever been in a crisis situation where you were desperate and you, you called somebody? I need you to come. Maybe your car broke down on the side of a busy interstate. Maybe, maybe you, you locked yourself out of your house. Maybe, maybe it was worse than that. Maybe somebody's sick. You got word that they, they are desperate and, and, and maybe hanging on for dear life and, and you needed to get to where they were, but you had no way to get there. And you, you called out to somebody that you knew, somebody that you felt like you, you trusted that was a friend that loved you, that cared for you. And sometimes we've done that in those situations. And guess what? They told us, yeah, I'll be there. I'll, I'll, I'll get, get on my way right now. As soon as I can get there, I'll be there. And guess what? They didn't show up. What did that feel like? But all oh, the joy of whenever you reach out to somebody, you're in one of those desperate places and, and you're crying out for help and, and you make that call and they say, I'll be there. And then all of a sudden, just a few moments later, you see them coming down the road towards you. They showed up. What about as a child and, and, and you had that, that big ball game or, or, or that, that big recital or that, that big school presentation and, and you invited your, your mom and your dad, the people that you thought, man, if anybody's going to make it, they will. 
And you had your hopes up so high and, and, and you were there just waiting and excited. You knew they were going to be there. And, and, and all of a sudden it's starting time and you look out and whoop, they're nowhere to be found. Listen, put ourselves in a place of desperation. Put ourselves in a place of, of desperate need that we are in a terrible situation, lost in our sins. We're, we're in, a, in a bad way. And we need somebody to show up. That's what the whole billion-dollar industry of these, these, these movies are all about. That's the whole premise. Somebody's in trouble. They need a hero to come and rescue them. And then guess what? Da, da, da. There comes Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, Aquaman, on down the list. I mean, there's like 30,000 different superheroes now. I, I don't even know. I, I don't really watch that stuff. But we're in that same place. We need somebody with some clout to show up, Right? You need somebody with some pull, somebody who can, can come and change the situation drastically. And all of a sudden, guess who shows up to take care of our sin situation? To take care of our death situation, our, our being eternally separated from God. Guess who just shows up on the scene? God himself through his son Jesus. He says, I love you. I love you so much that I'm going to show up. And I'm going to take care. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to tell you something. Showing up is a powerful statement. God shows up. Probably the most familiar verse in all of Scripture is John three sixteen. right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have what? Everlasting life. Listen to me, church. God showed up, and he always shows up for us. So if we're going to begin to feel the full weight of Christmas, then we've got to see beyond the surface of that sweet baby in the manger to the all-powerful, eternal God who lies in the manger meekly at that moment. And that's the power of Christmas. God incarnate. God made flesh. God dwelling with us. What power that is. Let me ask you something. Do you see that now? Or are you, are you peeling back the layers from the surface and, and, and starting to see what this is really all about? That it's not just for, a, as we mentioned last week, a seasonal celebration of good times, good music, good food, as Joseph mentioned a few moments ago. And, and then we just go about our business. No, this is the game changer of all game changers. That God loves us. And he came just for us. And he'll keep on showing up every day. He'll show up. He'll always be there. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Folks, third thing on your outline is simply this. There's power all throughout the story that cannot be denied. We're, we're talking about power here today, right? That, that's what we're discussing in this third segment of our Christmas study, the power of the manger. Well, I'm telling you, just a, just a snippet of the power that, that's on display here. The, the first part of it is the power of proclamation. Jesus is coming. How many of you were with us in the, in the first week when we talked about that? The promises made and the promises kept. That God knew our situation even before it took place. He knew we would fall into sin. He knew we would need a Savior. And guess what? He had a plan already in place. That in the, the right time, in the right moment, that God would send Jesus to this earth to accomplish that very thing. Save us from our sins. And this was prophesied, it was foretold many, many years, hundreds of years in fact, all throughout the Old Testament in hundreds of different places, it was prophesied that Jesus would come and do exactly that. 
And so there was the power of proclamation all throughout God's word. So many prophets spoke the promise. And then secondly, there's the power of demonstration. Now get this, as crazy as it sounds, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that this virgin Mary gave birth to a son, wrapped him in those swaddling clothes that we love to talk about, and laid him in a manger. I mean, we, we, we say it so, so casually because we've, we've, we've grown up in school singing these songs and, and, and hearing the story. We've grown up in church doing the same thing. Maybe you didn't, and that's okay. You're here now. You're here now. And we, we just talk about it to the point that it gets so familiar. So casually we speak of, of yes, a virgin gave birth, but stop. Put on the brakes for just a moment and think about that statement. It ain't supposed to happen like that, like we say here in the South. It just don't work like that. But the, the miracle is, the power is that God showed up through the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. And Mary, Mary became pregnant with God's son. Uh, Joseph had nothing to do with this other than being obedient to keep Mary, love her, and stay with her by her side. Man, how powerful is that? A virgin gives birth. Jesus was born in our world. It happened. I'm telling you again, church, it's no fairy tale. It's no make-believe seasonal celebration story. Again, Luke 1.35, and the angel told Mary that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And get this, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Church, that's Holy Spirit power. And here's the good news, and don't let this get by you. That same power that came upon Mary and accomplished this miracle is available to every one of us today. That same spirit, that same Holy Spirit power that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible tells us, is available to us today. It dwells in us as Christ's followers and if you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, do so. Not at the end of this message. Not in five minutes. Do it right now. Stop whatever you're doing right now and say, Jesus, have my life. I give it to you. Because the beauty of this is that the same God who has done all of this for us can do all of this to us, in us, and through us. Man, I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. That tells me that I can get up here and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Not in, just in front of this crowd, this congregation, those that may be watching today, but I can do it in one-on-one settings and I can overcome anything that comes at me and, and that power that's inside of me is greater than anything in this world. It's the power of demonstration. Jesus was born. He lived on this earth for 33 plus years. He died on a cross. He was raised back to life on the third day. How amazing is that? Is that power? I mean, I mean, answer that question. Is that power? That resurrection power. Ain't no grave going to hold my body down. Woo! Meet me, meet me, Jesus. Meet me on the other side. Because ain't no grave going to hold my body. That's what happened. The Bible tells us the grave burst open. That Jesus walked out triumphant over death, hell, and whoop, the grave. All three defeated I'm going to tell you something. This is demonstration power. Jesus didn't have no show muscles. It was just for competition and bodybuilding stuff. No, no, he put that power to work for all of us. I love that, man. I love people. 
A lot of people don't just say something. They, they actually do it. They don't just talk. They walk the walk. Now, here's, here's the reality of it. These are powerful realities that every human ever to walk the planet has to do something with. You understand what I'm saying? Now you know this information. Now you have been given the truth that Jesus is the son of the living God, that he came just for us, that he wants to save us from our sins, that he did all of this, all of this for us. Now what do we do with it? Well, if you, if, you, if you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, then you're going to fall on your face at some point in your life and surrender your life to him and call him Lord. If you think he was this nut out there doing all this crazy stuff, then you're going to think he's a lunatic. If you disbelieve the claims of Christ, if you disbelieve the demonstration of Jesus Christ, that he was nailed to that cross, it's a historical fact. But if for some reason in your twisted mind you seem to turn it around and don't believe Jesus did what he did, then you're going to call him a liar. But please let me caution you right here. Don't make that mistake. The reason why is because everything of your life, your future, and your eternity hinges on what we do with this truth. Everything. Everything from this moment on hinges on what we do with Jesus. Listen, folks, the power contained in the coming of Christ into our world is beyond amazing. But please hear this. Guess what? He's coming back again with power to take us all home. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I got some people there that's waiting on me. I got some people there that actually love me. And I know it's hard for some of you to believe. Really? Are you kidding? Yes. First one, my mama. And you know mamas love their kids. She's been gone for 30 years now, waiting for me, her firstborn. Mama, I got a tie on today, aren't you? Some of the stuff I wear in here, I can see her up shaking her head going, what's he doing? That same power that he came with the first time, he's coming back again with that. Because you know what? If you haven't read the end of this book, the end of the book says that he's going to split the eastern sky. When God the Father taps him on the shoulder and says, go get our kids, the eastern sky is going to split wide open. There's going to be this trumpet blast. And Jesus is going to come and take us home in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. How fast is that? That is super fast. Superman can't even keep up with that. I'm telling you. That's what's going to happen. That same power he's coming back with. And then the last thing today I want to remind you of is simply this. This power is for a purpose. All of this is, is for purpose. I mean, we've, we've beat it all over the place that he'd come back to save us from, from our sins. He'd come back to rescue us. And, and if you ain't got that by now, then guess what? I don't think you're ever going to get it. But I sure pray you have. But, but secondly, just understand it's for, for a purpose even beyond that, that that's linked to this for sure. King Herod, the most powerful man on earth at that time, was feeling threatened because of this newborn king that he'd heard so much about and now supposedly had been born somewhere close by in the region around him. So here's what he did. He was one of these power-hungry, evil, evil guy. He was bad, real bad. So here's what he decided to do. He said, I'm going to take out the competition before the competition ever gets to, to really start good. So he made this terrible decree. 
And you know what a decree is? It's a law of the land. The, the king demands it, says, here's what's going to happen, and everybody follows it. If you don't, you'll be punished by death, probably. He makes this decree that every male child that is two years old and under is going to be killed. You see, what's happening is he's trying to take out Jesus, the competition. He hears tell there's this king that's going to be born, and all of a sudden, the buzz is the king is here. The king is here. He's been born. He's here. He's alive. He's among us. And man, Herod gets really nervous. So he devises this evil plan. Listen, Jesus, just like us, had all hell coming against him, even at his birth. But, get this, that wasn't enough. (laughs) That wasn't nearly enough. It could not touch him. He survived, he's alive, he lived, he he lives forevermore. And, And it still isn't enough against us when we have Christ in us. Here's what the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 4. It says, little children, you are from God. In other words, when we come to Christ, when we surrender and submit our lives, then we are born again, right? And we're not born from flesh and blood, but we're born from the spirit of the living God, that we come from God. That new birth is a birth that comes from heaven itself. Aren't you glad of that good news? And so, therefore, that's why he calls us little children. Come on, kids. Let me tell you something. And here's what he tells us as this verse unfolds. He says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Them is the world, the enemy. Everything is coming against us. For he who is in you, say that with me one time. He who is in you. One more time. He who is in you is what? Is greater. Don't we love greater? Is greater than he who is in this world coming against you. Man, that's good news. That is great news. If you have Jesus in you, you've got all power forever and ever in you. So let me ask you this question as we wrap this up. What are those things coming at you? What what are your enemies? I I wrote it down like this. What are your Grinches that are trying to steal Christmas? Not only this time of the year, but, but always. Always hounding you, always chasing you, always tripping you up, always messing stuff up in your life. What are they in your, your life? Maybe, maybe it's hurt. Maybe you're emotionally wounded. Maybe mentally you've been abused. Maybe physically you've got some hurts and some ailments that you need the Holy Spirit to come and show up and bring healing to your body. I don't know, but maybe you're experiencing some level of hurt in your life right now that seems to consume you grip you. Maybe it's fears and insecurities. I I don't know. Too many live trapped in that prison of fear and and insecurity of of even taking that next step of even moving out into the destiny and the plan that God has for I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just maybe it's just a fear that just has you bound up of, of whatever type. And maybe maybe it is sin. Maybe you struggle with that certain sin or, or sins in your life that you, you just keep falling into, keep giving into, keep tripping up. Sin is an awful thing. It just grips and controls our lives and destroys and erodes everything of God that, that he desires and has for us. Quite possibly it's an inferiority that you, you just don't feel like you measure up here. You just don't feel like you're, you're, you're as good or good enough or, or have the stuff or, yeah, they, they can do those things. But me, I, I can never. 
I'm going to tell you something. You are. You are good enough. God loves you. God has great things in store for you. They're different than mine, and mine's different from yours, but God loves you just the same as he loves everyone in this room and outside of this room. No matter what the enemy tries to whisper in your head and your heart, guess what? God shouts to you that you are loved, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you are made in his image, and he has great things for your life because you are precious in his sight. So don't discount what God has spoken great value on. You are. You are. You are. You are. Maybe it's broken relationships. And man, who of us haven't been there? The pain, the heartbreak that comes with it right now, you may have a terrible situation with a friend, a family member. I I don't know. But I do know this, and and I'm just going to say it. It seems to be more and more common everywhere you turn. People living at odds with each other. Not just marriages. Marriages definitely are struggling big time. And, And again, if you haven't registered for that love language conference, then go. Register. Get on board with that. Everybody needs all the help they can get in a marriage, but it's also about friendships. It's also about moms and dads at odds with their kids. It's also about brothers and sisters going at each other. It's also about neighbors having it out and just, just hating each other. It's also about coworkers can't even look at each other, talk to each other, always downing one another and just tearing each other apart. I'm telling you, broken relationships seem to be everywhere you turn, and it takes a toll on us. In so many ways. Maybe it's an addiction in here. Maybe you deal with the grips of, of being in that prison of, of, of addiction and all the pain and, and heartache and heartbreak and everything that comes with it. Could be depression, discouragement. How many of you know that those things escalate higher than at any other time of the year right here at the holiday season? Depression, discouragement, just hurt, heartache, all that stuff just seems to go through the roof right now. I I don't know what all is going on in your life. I don't know what all Grinches are trying to steal Christmas from you. But I do know this. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, that baby that was born in Bethlehem some 2,000 plus years ago and grew to be a man and became our Savior came to break the grips of all of them and set us free. That's what he came to do. That's who he is. And I'm going to tell you something. You know what that, that, that boils down to this one word called love. God said, I am love. And no greater Love has ever been shown than Jesus laying his life down for us to find freedom, hope, peace, deliverance, salvation, redemption. All of that and even more than I could ever, ever describe to you today. Would you do me a favor and just close your eyes for a moment right now? It's hard to even fathom all the power there is and there was lying in that manger some 2,000 years ago. But, but that power in the person of Jesus was born not only into our world, but to be born into our hearts and lives. And 
to truly save us and set us free from all the bondages of sin and death. Folks, that's power for a purpose, and that purpose is to rescue every single one of us from all the enemies that hell would throw at us. If you're in this room right now, and first of all, you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I've made that decision this morning. When you mentioned a few moments ago making that decision to surrender my life to Jesus right now, I've made that decision in my life today. And I just want to acknowledge that by lifting my hand and saying, pray for me. Pray for me. I came truly to Christ today. Not playing games, not going through a a ritual or just something to, to be doing this holiday. I surrendered to Jesus fully and completely this day would you just raise your hand nobody looking around right now i just want to know how to pray for you yes thank you anybody else yes ma'am thank you anybody else yes thank you so much now maybe you're here today and you say you know what one or more of those things on that list that you walked through that that last part just a few moments ago have tried for sure to steal Christ, to steal Christmas, to to destroy my... They're trying right now. I was battling it when I walked into the door this morning. I've been battling it inside this room while this, this gathering was going on. And I realized today the truth is going to set me free that Jesus came to save, to redeem, to rescue me from any enemy that would come to try to destroy me. And right now, I just want to acknowledge in my life that I am finding freedom today. Would you just raise your hands all across this room and say, thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. How many others? Thank you. Yes, ma'am. How many others? Whatever it is. Yes. Maybe it's something I didn't even call out, but you and God were dealing with. Yes, ma'am. How many others? Just raise your hand right now as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? As we continue to worship the Lord right now, here's what I want to ask. Those of you that raised your hand, maybe you didn't, but you know that you want to come up here and you want to pray together with me. Would you just begin to make your way right now? Just get up from where you're seated. Come right here. I'm here on this little blue rug to meet with you, to pray with you as we get down to business and and declare these things over your life today as we worship God. Would you just come right now? Thank you. Come on. Come on. Make that move. Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Some prayer partners, would you just come down and just begin to to pray for these men and women as they gather? And as I said, some of you, maybe you didn't raise a hand, but you said, man, I know God's dealing with me and I need to get myself down there. I need to get myself down there to get down to business and get these things done in my life as that's why Jesus came. For sure, that's why he's here. I need some men praying with these men, some women praying with these women. And I need all of us. Just just stretch your hands this way towards your, your family in Christ here. Would you do that? Just stretch your hands this way and be a part of this. If you, if you feel led again to come with these that are coming now and surround these folks, would you do that now? Father God, we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. God, you just couldn't bear being without us. And that's why. That's why you designed this plan to send your son, Jesus, to come and rescue us, to save us. That we would find hope, that we would find life, freedom, forgiveness, everything that you come and bring when you, when you move into our hearts and lives. God, we invite you. We ask you right now, Lord, come in. Be Lord of our lives. We surrender ourselves to you, God. Bring that new birth, God. Let us be born again into the spirit, God. 
the Holy Spirit come in and radically transform who we are from the inside out. I thank you for men and women who got up today and said, I know God has something, something special for my life today. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to be free from these things. I want healing in my body. In the name of Jesus, we declare your healing touch, God. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, God. Every kind of way we need it today, God. In Jesus' name, we declare that, God. We believe that you are the God who spoke and the worlds came to be, God. You're the God that can speak and change whatever it is that's coming at us, God. That's wanting to destroy and diminish who you are in us, God. We thank you for that. We declare it today, God. We call these things done today. And right now, God, we celebrate because you are worthy. Would you stand to your feet all across this room and let's worship him together and honor him.